Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Kathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy everybody. In front of me, I have Carly McClay, who in this instance, in very exciting uh, ways, is not a business owner, but is pivotal in the business that Carly works in, which is Wise OT Solutions. Welcome, Carly. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Really appreciate your time. Oh, I'm looking forward to this chat. So tell us a bit about your role and just land us in a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I Currently, am the team leader and an occupational therapist and case manager at WiseOT, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I get to have a beautiful hybrid role in that I still get to treat and work with clients with severe injuries, but I also get to manage a beautiful team of OTs across Sydney and Adelaide. Um, and that team is made up of some awesome OTs, Kat Couch, Rachel Collis, Vicky Bowden, Kate Broadbridge, um, Joanne Barrett. Fiona Mason, Michaela Finch, and alongside Liz, I get to work in the business and in amongst the everyday mm-hmm. and support the team. And, and Liz gets to kind of step out now and work on the business in that higher level director role. Uh, we're supported really well by our office managers as well. We've got Debbie and Sam who support the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get a really nice balance of supervision, remote supervision, um, joint visits when it's needed and onboarding new staff. Mm-hmm. And also that day-to-day, I suppose, quality improvement and referral management piece of the role as well. So making sure our customers and our team match in terms of competence and skill for the referrals that are coming in. Mm-hmm. And also that we're going to deliver the referral brief that that, that customer is needing. Um, and I get to, yeah, enjoy that balance of, as I said, that hybrid role, still maintaining my clinical skills and having a caseload alongside mm-hmm. the team leader role. Yeah. And let's speak to Liz Brownlee for a moment. She's not here, but she was a guest on the podcast way back. So we will absolutely have to put the link in for this as well. So from your team leader's perspective, where where do you and Liz work together as Liz being director and owner, founding director, and you being in this team leader role? What does that look like? Yeah, it's definitely something that's evolved over time. So I came from an inpatient brain injury unit initially. Mm. So my whole experience was, well, a lot of my experience was inpatient. I did a little bit of secondment role um, in a project role and in a clinical operations manager role in that time, but mainly on the floor and on the ground and in the grit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In the the, trenches. Yeah, in in the trenches with the multi-disc team. And um, I just loved the team's approach of working in amongst it and I didn't want to let that go so after having my first child little Fletcher I just couldn't picture going back to that hustle and bustle an hour Mm. and a half each way to a hospital um, a rehab hospital in in Sydney and 
I decided I wanted to go private for that flexibility and that's where where Wise OT Solutions came along. Um, Liz and I met. We both had newborns. I was on maternity leave. She was running a business with a, with a little baby herself and doing that juggle. And I didn't want to lose the team piece. I didn't want to just be a contractor mm. for a business. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but for yep, me, choice. Team, yeah, team yeah. was everything. So I said to Liz, I know you don't have a team leader role. I know it's you and three OTs and a practice manager, um, but would you like to grow your business to have a team? Um, mm. And it just landed. She was ready to dive into that. Her main focus and passion and value piece has always been bridging the gap between the insurer and the the customer and the client yeah. and using OT and case management as a vehicle to bridge that mm. that gap. So, you know, I was um I was drawn in straight away. I had my little baby with me at that meeting and I thought this was so <laughs> it was in a in a cafe in Parramatta under the QE building and she was going off to a very important meeting soon after that. So I could just tell that she had hustle and she was humble and she truly cared. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, over the last five, nearly six years, we've grown that into a team now of really capable, incredible OTs who all come with their their own strengths mm. from lots of different areas. Mm. Um, and Liz's value fit for me was just spot on. Mm. Um, I know she spoke in her podcast with you about those sticky toffee clients and those sticky toffee ones where, yeah, it's never just a rail. You get out there and it's just to look at a rail for the bathroom, but it's tip you know, of the iceberg. Yeah, cycle of disadvantage, or there's you know social issues, or there's um, housing issues, or mm, there's abuse. mental ill health, yeah. abuse. So that's just something for me that just fit with Liz. She looks at the whole client, she looks at the whole person, mm. and not just the clients mm. with the severe injuries, but her team as well, and makes sure her team. Um, isn't just a contract model that it's a mm. salary model and that it's it's for longevity and for career and for family and mm. flexibility um, mm. it's not just for your hourly rate and do you visit and off you go so that's kind of a bit of how Liz and I have grown and I'm so privileged to have been able to grow this with Liz um, and that she's put that trust in me both taking mm. a massive punt leaving <laughs> leaving public health and the safety net of public health and her taking on a on an OT who only had ever worked in public health mm. and that very sheltered, lovely, secure system of um, of healthcare that we're lucky enough to have in this country. Um, but it's worked out, that's for sure. Mm. And you've been uh, in this role and with Wise OT Solutions for, I think you said, six years. What? Let's just go really, really broad and then we'll come into the business. What have you noticed about the industry I'm doing air quotes what have you noticed yeah. about the whole landscape in the last six years for sure that's a great question Kathy um by way of background working in public health and with absolute respect I say this because I learned so so much but we definitely saw the private world as the dark side we, Ooh, we, let's go there. <laughs> we, we can probably start there we saw the the private world as, as the dark side in that um, not negatively, but I think in a scary way, in a you're on your own. Mm. Um, but what I've learnt is you have more choice and control and autonomy and belonging and all of those great things in a team, I feel, in in a hybrid role most definitely where you get to do a bit of everything, mm. but in a private practice where there's not the bureaucracy, there's not the policies and procedures that may yep. take six months to implement. Yep. or a project idea that started that doesn't get implemented for two years and, mm. and the need's then gone. 
Um, and I say that again with respect because that's how things have to happen when you've got that many people um, in, in, in an organisation. Mm. But for me, yeah, in the six years, it's changed a lot. I think COVID has made everyone be able to work from home. <laughs> yep. I think it's made all of our clients aware that treatment doesn't have to be face-to-face and we've got a bit more, um, I suppose, in the severe injury space, that is that is tricky. I spoke to a lot of just noses and mouths for a lot of yep. and brain ears. injury yep. ears <laughs> for the first few consults. But I think we've always been a remote business. So for us, that was a real, I think, consolidation of what we're doing and that we are doing it well and you can do that well. So I think on the tech side of things, that's just made everyone stronger in that we are all in this together, even Mm. if we're remote. Mm. Um, But I think the landscape in general, it's got bigger, it's got bolder, it's got more confident. I think you running an entire podcast on private practice Mm -hmm. shows that. Um, Mm. There's more out there and it's not as scary. I think people now want more they don't want just the nine to five or the seven to four in health um please all go to health to get your first few years though guys absolutely go to health jobs to get those foundational skills but i think um new grad programs have a place for sure we're not doing that at the moment Mm. if there's support i think that's amazing but Mm. um yeah i think i just see the private practice world getting less scary for people who aren't in it and more appealing for the everyday person. Yep, stronger with more innovation, more adaptability and really driving quality and safeguards through it as well. Yeah, and it's you're not not as secure in health as you might think, you know. Um, Mm. We've all got our indemnity insurance and our public liability insurance and our backing, but I think in private there's a creative licence to work with a client in their home, so that brings risk for sure, but... You know, you've got the safety net of there's other people in the home to support your programs. Um, yeah, there's a lot of other safety nets and and supports that you do have. So, again, I I can't speak any more excitedly and highly of private <laughs> practice, um, and that's why I'm still in it. I think yeah. I yeah got pretty solid integrity and wear my heart on my sleeve. So, as a person, mm. not just as an OT, if it wasn't working out, I wouldn't I wouldn't still be in it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was interested to uh, discover that Wise OT Solutions aren't serving participants with NDIS funding. Mm. What was the uh, the business thinking around that? Yeah. I, and I guess there's clinical thinking as well, but business hat on first perhaps. Yeah, for sure. And look, I think it's just the market in Sydney. There are so mm. many NDIS mm. providers. Um the grassroots vision and the beginning of Wise OT is very much in workers' compensation. So Liz yep. came from insurance background and although has a huge range of clinical experience in the UK and here, um, that's always been her, her focus. Um, I've definitely bought more of a severe injury portfolio with eye care, so lifetime care and support and workers, mm-hmm. um, workers' care um, from the New South Wales scheme. So Workers' insurance, absolutely, but a bit more kind of spreading the risk from a business point of view, absolutely. We did service NDIS when I first started. We serviced mm. quite a few quite a few other aged care, smaller agencies, um, and it just got to a point where there was lots around, again, it kind of got a bit bureaucratic. There was lots it's of paperwork, yeah. lots of bogged down in, in trying to hustle so strongly and advocate for these pieces of equipment or services that were being knocked back and 
And as a team, at that time, we were quite small and we we could choose the referrals we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so the decision and how lucky are we to have that? Yeah, yeah. Um, we chose to focus on on workers' insurance and, and eye care and really be the go-to for those in terms of that severe injury space. In saying that, um, a lot of OTs coming across to us in terms of recruitment have done a lot of NDIS and are um, speaking very highly of the changes that have happened in that space since since that time. Yeah. So when yeah. I started in 2017 to now, it's changed dramatically. So that's very positive. Um, we do, though, work with some clients that have dual funding. So some clients that have state-based funding and then a, a national-based mm. funding. So eye care, let's use that as an example. They cover treatment, rehab and care for a client who's severely injured with spinal brain amputation and burns, but they don't cover necessarily recreation and leisure as a treatment. So yep. even though we love and know the benefits of rec and leisure and mm. recreational therapy, some clients have eye care as their main funder and they have an NDIS plan purely for recreational lifestyle. So we definitely still have um, aspects of our work in severe case management and OT working with NDIS joyfully now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I think really from a business point of view, how privileged are we to have not had to have taken that on and have that choice? So, um, yeah, very blessed there. Mm, it's complex. It's complex. But the the um, example you provided is just such a reminder about how fragmented the human can become in front of you mm. when literally different life roles are funded by different bodies. Like that's just mind-bending, isn't it, really? And it's frustrating as a clinician yeah. and, as, and as a leader because often NDIS and not just them alone, but often organisations providing services use recreation and leisure as a marketing tool Mm. (laughs) or look at this amazing modified bike that we've got for this client or look at this brilliant you know activity that this client's participating Mm. in um and it's not funded (laughs) so you can look at it but yeah yeah. you you can't have it yeah and similarly with NDIS you know there's some things that they don't fund which we know would make huge Mm. impact for someone so again not every funding body is going to have it in their legislation to fund everything. I understand that completely, mm. but you're spot on. It's a really complex, fragmented situation when a client's got a severe injury and they're trying to navigate who's who in the zoo with their Not funding. Just one, but two or three systems. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell us about uh, your wonderful team. You've got a team of OTs and some are OTs and some are case managers and some are both. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So we're all qualified occupational therapists yep. um, first and foremost um, and wise OT being yes we, we make wise decisions and solutions mm. but wise being Liz Brownlee's maiden name and that's where that mm. came from but yes we are all wise um, OTs <laughs> so we've all got an OT degree and some of us have case management accreditation with eye care yep. so we're, we're specific eye care accredited case managers um, there's a couple of us too that are also care needs assessors under eye care and Liz and Kat and myself are also on top of that dispute assessors for eye care. So there's a real layer of. My gosh, quite yeah. a hierarchy. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's quite a, it's quite a big opportunity um, within eye care to really broaden your scope with, yep. with assessment and treatment. So we're, we're very lucky in that regard. I suppose when you go and assess a client clinically, you're always got your case management hat mm. on anyway. Um, so although some of them aren't 
eye care accredited case managers. When we're assessing a client, we're always going in with that open mind of whole person, mm. OT mm. And, and case management, meaning going on for this person and how is that impacting their life. Um, we've got a massive range in our team. Um, Kat comes to us with a huge background of defence, pain management, amputation, you know, upper limb and hand therapy, um, really sticky mental health and psych mm-hmm. expertise. Rachel Collis and Joe Barrett, they're both TBI trained, so both from mm-hmm. brain injury unit background, so huge skill in neuro. Um, Fiona Mason's got a real mix. She's got research background, stroke and neuro background um, and has done a lot in community outreach. Mm. Michaela Finch comes across from an insurer. So, again, really mm. similar to Liz's background in terms of um, insurance. And Kate's come with a real mixture. She's got psych and OT um, qualifications, but she's kind of our get in and get everything done great all-rounder in severe injuries and she's recently relocated to Adelaide back to her family so she's kind of doing the startup down there for Wise OT which is very exciting and then we've got Vicky who's our lovely little Scottish OT who is brilliant at everything but is very skilled in the getting in there and getting things done getting into those sticky ones and going okay what do we need to do here um very skilled in the workers compensation and those front Mm. end claims that are relatively new injuries. So a very mixed bunch. Um, And, of course, to support us all in our roles, we've got Debbie and Sam, our office managers, Mm. who just support us every day, um, getting everything done. They're the glue that keeps us all together. smile on their face. (laughs) A spring in their step. Yeah. Absolutely. So the, the team has grown and you've evolved into this role. How have you... Um, learnt essentially and applied management skills here. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Um, look, I've always, even though we're boutique and, you know, I think the goal, you know, eight to 10 OTs was always the, the goal and we're we're really close to that. It's not, you know, we're, we're very close to that. We're all part-time. Most of us are part-time. So, you know, it's, um, it's a great bunch of people, but we're never kind of all in at the exact same time. But I think what you need to be a great leader is um is to genuinely care and mm. to be able to like our values come back in, coming back to our values like keeping your mind strong and backing yourself clinically but being able to stop and ask if you need support um i think in a community role my job is to make sure they have autonomy but they need to be competent and yep. they need to belong you know we're a mm. team so for me autonomy belonging and competence are my three main focuses always as a leader um and the business values are we care we're humble we hustle and we go the extra mile and we do that in everything um I think back to when we had COVID and clients needed scripts delivered or clients needed things picked up and we're like we can't get a carer out to you you're in the middle of nowhere look we're close by we're seeing another we'll drop it off and you know the OT is taking a croissant out there from a little cafe that's just doing pickups just to brighten the day for that person with their mm. script as a case manager, knowing that's not actually in my scope, but I know that's going to keep him mm. mentally well for the next two weeks until I can see him. Mm. Um, and we know the care is cancelled because mm. they got COVID. So it's that extra mile above and beyond that, you know, I love as a leader getting to see that, not that people get to burnout level, but that their job mm. has joy and satisfaction as well. Um, yeah. But about I the, think, have you done formal training? Yeah, look. 
with leadership, a lot of it comes back to experience, I think. Mm. I did a lot of training in public health, so mm-hmm. a lot with kind of Proteus leadership. I did a lot of training with them because that was the kind of chosen provider at yep. that time where I was working. And Royal Rehab Brain Injury Unit at that time was supporting all leaders, whether you were on the ward, in a clinical operations role to engage in that. So that, that was brilliant training. Mm. Um, in this field, I've done a lot of... Um, specific things. So Michelle Bahari, for example, looking mm, at that kind yeah. of incredible yeah. health and resilience for health professionals, we've rolled that out as a team and done training one-on-one. She's come up and done a training session for us as a team together in a room. Uh, that was pre-COVID <laughs> when we could do it in a room. And that was incredible to just have the language with the team. Um, I think we all left that training with the little tip sheet that she provides, the seven mm-hmm. tips to thriving at work. And we look at that all the time mm-hmm. or the the self-leadership saying to the yep. team, you can't lead others if you can't lead yourself. You can't show up to a meeting mm. flat and then Chaotic. Ex- yep. be expected to engage mm. with a client who's got a severe injury in the next hour. So, yeah, definitely formal leadership is, is available at WISE. Mm. And um, I think Michelle Bahari is probably the one that's probably the one that we've taken the most out of as a team and the language we use. Mm. And, of course, Everyone else out there in the world, your Brene Browns and mm. Brene Brown was something that Liz took us all to when she was out here. Um, can't remember the year exactly, but oh, it, like it's dog years. It was it probably like, twenty eighteen yeah. or nineteen. <laughs> Again, pre COVID, lots of people in yeah. space, and that was incredible. That language we can use together as a team, like even from a HR point of view and a yep. team happiness and satisfaction point of view and a performance. Like, are you showing up today? Are you your best self today? Can't you've got a really huge client coming up? They've got some serious social issues. We know this is going to be a tricky one. Are you good to get there? Mm. Are you in a space to take that on? Like this isn't a hard job. Um, This isn't an easy job. So, yeah, we've got that language. Is that something? Are you telling stories in your head? Is that something? Is Mm. that the story you're telling yourself? What's actually happening? Let's Mm. take the emotion out of it. Mm. Let's get back to facts. So we've definitely, um, Liz is definitely investing in us from a, from a well-being point of view and making sure we're setting goals, not just as therapists clinically but as people and as mums and as parents and as fur baby mums and yeah, um, yeah. 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 as people too. Yeah. What do you think the difference between leadership and management is? Yeah, awesome question. Love it. I think management is procedural and operational. Mm. So to me, management feels like the bits that have to happen, the non-negotiables the work, the paperwork, the staff. A bit more numbers. Yeah. Have you got your KPIs done? Mm. And that definitely makes up a component of the, the supervision process to make sure that, hey, the, the business is running and operating mm. Um, mm. and that that um, the hours and service hours are happening, absolutely, and the client outcomes are happening. Management for me too is those really basic things and modelling those basic things that that become and help with leadership. So is your diary up to date? Are you diarising everything, even if that's Pilates for you or your school assembly with your son? Mm. The time blocking, the skills that help uh, manage this really tough gig. Leadership for me is more about that inspiring piece, um, the bigger bigger picture, um, making sure people are leading themselves in order to do their job, that they're self-aware, that they've that I'm inspiring loyalty 
but also that they want to be here. They see themselves here for the next one year, three years, five years. What's the longevity here? It's a career. It's not just a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's that bigger overarching culture and vibe and feeling. Um, and again, comes back to that belonging piece, I think. For me, it's I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love I love people. <laughs> and again, I think in COVID, I think we all realised we all, even if we're extroverts, we love to be introverts at times. But Yes, I think people people management-wise, I think leadership comes back to that. It's not about people-pleasing. It's not about everyone being your mate. It's about making sure there's cohesion and harmony and making sure people are safe and well to do their role that's really tough some days. Yeah. Um, and I think that brings back to the values of YZOT. We're humble, but we hustle. You don't have to be hustling every day, but we're always humble. <laughs> we're always humble. So bringing it back to that as well as has been a good um a good kind of values piece for that leadership umbrella running a business isn't just about setting up shop and becoming complacent it's about showing up for ourselves and our clients with a commitment to continuous improvement we have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at and where we're going that means identifying strengths and weaknesses so we can improve after all if we're remaining stagnant how can we scale and build the business and life of our dreams that's where the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz comes in. We're not talking horoscopes and pulsopia. This questionnaire is the perfect starting point for you to begin identifying your strengths, needs, and blind spots as an allied health business owner. The process is simple. Answer the 14 questions and we'll send you a personalized report that includes actionable steps for you to start taking your business to the next level. Ready to take your business into your own hands? Take the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz today. What I've noticed uh, is that there's often a bit of oh, interchange, for want of a better word, that management and leadership, are they the same? Are they different? We'll just lump them all in and use mm. them interchangeably. And then I think when you build out that matrix with a team leader and a clinical supervisor, you've got this kind of four-way game happening about, yeah. well, in a role like yours, which is so exciting to see evolving across the private sector. It's We're just loving what our clients are achieving with building out leadership teams there. But actually, what is this role? Is it a management role, a leadership role? Mm-hmm. What do we call you? Are you a team leader or a clinical supervisor? And it all, you need, it, it gets interesting and challenging to work through that because it's really important work I reckon. I think that's spot on and I think there's that balance of I still have a caseload so Mm. I feel like I'm still on the ground with the team not that I need to be they would still respect me 100% as a leader if I didn't and it will as the team grows get to a point that I don't have a caseload and I will be consulting more as opposed to keeping longer term clients and we're close to that but I think I think that's a big component. I'm still on the ground. I get it. I've got the language. I'm chatting to the customers. I'm seeing the clients. I'm mm. feeling the vibe of the different referrals that are coming in, some of the politics happening at that referral base and insurers and some of the, the legal stuff that's going on. I'm across it and not just as a leader but as a clinician in amongst it. Mm. Um, I think that's a really big one. I think it's tricky when people focus on, the headings and the titles. I've always found that baffling to me that people spend so much time on a title. For me, it's gone from team leader to clinical lead to team leader to clinical. We kind of just interchangeably use that, but I've never seen myself as a manager mm-hmm. or a supervisor. I kind of, I think, I think leader um, 
definitely. But manager and supervisor, it feels to me very me, me and you as opposed to partnership side by yeah. side. Yes, they can report to me, absolutely, and I lead them, but it's it's collaborative. They're all very skilled clinicians, some with extreme experience well above my years, but with no leadership goal. So they, they might not have a goal of leading, but a clinically would smash me. If I had a stroke or a brain injury, I want them to be my OT. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think if you take that emotion out of it, the title's just, for me, it's just an interesting piece. I think clinical lead, clinical operations, it's all very interchangeable, but I think a a leader in a health industry needs to have a clinical component and definitely an operation component. And if you're big enough, you have both, right? Mm. You have both. (laughs) But if you're a small boutique severe injuries team, um, like we are at the moment, that can be that can be one person. One thing that Liz and I have done a lot is, you know, the HR stuff that pops up. We share some of that. But if it's around salary or a review of um, someone's package or a discussion around the next step for career, that's really shared. I might talk clinically where they're at and where the gaps are in the knowledge or some of the feedback that I've seen or some things that we need to work on. But then Liz would go and talk to them in more details from a business point of view and career and goals and bringing it back to what's important to them. Where do they want to be with their family in Mm. three years? Where do they want to be Mm. with their career in three years? So we definitely share that. And Liz takes that very, very, very seriously in her her humble approach, I suppose, Mm. in terms Mm. of making sure that that's that's separate. In your role, what have the team taught you? Oh, yeah, huge. Just a bit. (laughs) Oh, so much. I'm overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed thinking about that. That is a fantastic question because a lot of the time my agenda is making sure the team are okay and checking in on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, no one's ever asked me what have you learned from them. I learn from them every single day, like reviewing their reports, for example. So when I've chatted through a case with them over, say a month, and then I see everything come together in a report or in a follow-up or a progress report or even a closure. When a file is coming to an end and they've worked with this client for a year and they've been severely disabled or severely injured and they're getting to, you know, their goals of being able to pick my son up with my brachial plexus injury Mm. and now I can or being able to walk to the letterbox because I'm so fatigued and I can't but that's what I want to be able to do or I want to return to driving after my massive brain injury and my vision injury so I get to read these reports and just get chills and I think when they're in amongst it they don't necessarily see the impact they've they've got and they've had and they've done Mm. so I learned so much from reviewing reports and Kat Couch out who's going to be taking on some of that quality manager role quality support role to support Liz and I with the report reviews and the quality piece as our team grows um will get that joy (laughs) get the buzz she'll get that joy but definitely seeing the whole picture and all of that come together. What I've learned from them too is the self-leadership piece we spoke about, being able to lead yourself before you lead others. Even on the days where things are hard and you may have had, you know, you might have had a restless night with little kids. Mm. You might be returning to work and you've got, you know, so much on your mind or you might be moving house or all the stuff that's happening in life. They all show up. They all give themselves Mm. and they all have that value piece to, get in there and make it a better life for that person. And for me, I'm baffled by that because it's really hard to keep doing that. You know, you put your uniform on in public health, you put your badge on, you go into a building, you have to swipe in, you sign in, you see the staff, you're on the ward. 
it's very procedural and there's lots of cues for professional show up, I'm here. When you're working from home, <laughs> it's um it's a different level of pulling on, showing up, yeah, pulling on the socks, I went to say, but getting that, getting that, <laughs> Finding armor, some shoes. yeah, getting that <laughs> armor on to face your day. And I'm probably not painting severe injury OT and case management very nicely, but it's a tough gig and burnout rates are high. And mm. what we've seen over the last few years is we haven't had people leaving. We've had people staying on. We've got a beautiful, like solid, loyal, motivated, inspired team. And that's, um, I've learned from them in that, but it's not just supervising them. Yeah, it's it's leading them and and supporting them. Um, I think too, we're all different. Mm. We're all different. What I learned from them is everyone has different skills, and that's great. Everyone's different. Everyone brings, and I think embracing difference. You know, sometimes you you see businesses and everyone looks the same, or they're all the, <laughs> they're all the same group of people, or um, they've all come from the same industry, or they're all you know. It's we're we're an eclectic group, and we um. We all come with lots of different strengths, and I think that's I think that's awesome. Anything else they've taught you? <sighs> Gosh, I don't know. I'm trying to think what else they've taught me. I mean, I think there's courageous chats that have to happen too. It's not very all. necessary. Yeah. Those ones, I suppose, it's not all. It's not all like go team go and and rainbows in mm. in leadership. So I suppose, um, yeah, they've taught me a lot about being able to have courageous chat chats and. And pivot and bend to what people respond to. Like we as a team recently had a team retreat and we went away together and it was incredible and it was team bonding and there was a clinical component and a guest speaker component. But what we all walked away and learnt the most from was the kind of conversations we had about our life and about mm-hmm. our learning style. And we did a personality tests and kind of came out with everyone's learning style and behaviour and personality style. And when I was sitting down and looking at the team, I was kind of grouping them. Yeah, you are the details people, the lords, and you are the traders and the people that can. Really oh, you did the wealth dynamics profile. We did we did the oh, wealth I dynamics profile? It. So Liz was fantastic in investing in all of us to do that pre-retreat, mm-hmm. having our own document to reflect on before we got to the retreat, and then using that as a tool, um, which was incredible because it's really helped post-retreat go okay who's your accountability buddy let's check in let's see who's doing what okay Deb if you're a details person of course you're a details person you're the we office that manager. We, yes. <laughs> but yeah. some of us were shocked by what we were too and as OTs we analyze everything as you know mm. um but zooming out I think we went oh yeah I am the person that gets in there and gets into the grit and does the harmony building and the I don't yep. like the details I like zooming out I like to make sure everyone's on track and feeling good about where they are. Mm. So that that was um, definitely an awesome exercise as a team. And it taught me that we're all different and I can't lead one way. One way doesn't fit all. And mm. everyone's supervision looks different. At the start of my journey as a team leader, it was one form, one reflective questioning piece, one kind of, all right, we're jumping on teams and it's completely evolved. It's completely mm. different. Everyone has their own dashboard. Everyone's got their own goals. Everyone's got their own case flow list. We've made a really, really confident decision to not call it a case load. We felt that was so negative. And oh, said, I know. It's such an old word. It's got to go. It's got to go. It, let's call it case flow. You know, I'm often calling them and saying, how's your flow? What's your week looking mm. like? Because Sometimes it's hard to quantify case management and OT mm. when 
they might not need weekly treatment like back in the day where it's just weekly treatment and out you go. It might be, okay, I'm now seeing you once a fortnight, but there's 10 hours of, you know, case management happening Mm. in the background to sort all of these other issues out. So case flow has been great. Um, And I learned from the team that adaptability is Mm. key. Being adaptable, being able to communicate and being able to openly communicate, but also have that trust piece recognised in in supervision, making sure the trust is there so that they can clinically chat about the things they need to work on Mm. and feel confident that it's going to be met with solid CPD and training, but also that the referrals coming to them are within their skill set and their comfort zone. And if it's not, that they're supported to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for answer, answering so wholeheartedly because it is a, it is an interesting it is an interesting question. I'm I'd love to go down the rabbit hole of wealth dynamics profile, and I'm trying in my head not to. But let's just go there for just a ninety seconds. It's a it's a not very it, as a tool. Wealth dynamics profile is not very well known. Mm. Um, and yeah. I've been yeah. What did you think about it? Like it's look, crazy stuff, but oh, and look, I love it. I don't know enough about it to probably talk to its okay. amazingness. Um, it was new to me, but I know Liz has dived a lot into it in her mentoring and work mm-hmm. that she's doing as a business owner and director. Mm-hmm. So she's very passionate about about the tool and what it's done for us, definitely mm-hmm. as a team. Um, I think it was funny. I think people were like, wealth, wealth dynamics, what's this to do with money? Again, OT. It's not. Okay, it's, <laughs> it's got not nothing wealth. to it's do. It's not that money wealth. It's energetic wealth. <laughs> it's energetic wealth. So yeah. exactly, that's perfectly said, Kathy. So I think when people got over that, what's Liz getting us to do this wealth thing for? Um, I think everyone was like, okay, I get it. Let's look at what and how we operate. Mm. Um, but I'd love to dive in more. There's some fantastic YouTube clips that are readily available online that just give a really great snapshot of each of those personality styles and that's been a good starting point for our team Mm. to just go okay yeah before people did the actual questionnaire and the assessment and the tool actually just jumping on and getting familiar with what does this actually mean and what can it do for me um but everyone's now like I want to do my partners I want my partner Mm. to do it I want my my mum to do it (laughs) um I I get the rabbit hole thing I think that could open up a bit yeah (laughs) Big can of worms. But it's as, it's it's like all of those tools. It's as good as you use it. And um, a profile is a profile. Yeah, I've met plenty plenty of people who have hacked it and you know twisted it their way for different purposes. And um, what I love about it, and it sits so nicely with your your rebranding of um, workflow, is that it talks about flow. It talks about where your best line is. It, yeah. where your best work happens and you can go to the other parts of the profile but it will come at an energetic cost and you will come back to your center to recharge that's and right. it's this lovely concept that the water runs fastest in the middle of the stream that's right and it's it's beautiful in terms of that metaphor because and often say if someone's brilliant clinically but doing their file notes or reports is hard. They don't like yeah. sitting and doing the reporting. And we hear that so often mm. and trying to get, yeah, I know that's in the detail. I know that's outside that flow and that comfort and that space mm. where you're thriving, but you've got to get there to then keep keep going. Mm. <laughs> um, so we're using it a lot clinically and from a, from a leadership point of view to go, and in clinical supervision, like, I can see that's really uncomfortable for you. Tell me more. How can mm. we get you through this? this hurdle 
let's get you back on the on the flow on the stream. Yep, <laughs> so, it's good. What was yeah. it, what's your profile? Weirdly, I'm a trader. So weirdly, I okay. didn't think I'd be a trader. Okay. I thought I'd be a supporter. I just yep. probably in my you know overachieving brain as like go 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 and. You know, I was a school captain in year 12, Kathy. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of mm-hmm. gear we're dealing mm-hmm. with, you know, mm-hmm. parents who were humble and education was everything and you get in and your work ethic. And mm. so I thought I'd be a supporter. Um, but Liz is the supporter. She's okay. up here. She's the supporter. And I'm down on the ground. Extrovert. Yep. Extrovert. Yep. So Blaze yeah, energy. That works yep. really well. So we've got um we've got a real mix across the team, which mm. is also fascinating when you look at grouping who's who you go oh yes that and linking it back to team it's like yes you do that you do do that and not a specific thing that they do but just that's your vibe that's where you feel comfy um yeah it's great it's great in terms of goal setting too being able to go as confronting as it was I must say okay okay some people thought I don't do that strengths what are my weaknesses what I could do that (laughs) what do you mean I'm like Oprah Winfrey what do you mean I think because one of the traders is Donald Trump I'm like oh I know I know I know I'm surprised they haven't um pulled him out of the uh pulled him out of the uh yeah surely it's time to update that one but um (laughs) but no when we superficially scratched the top of that that fear of sitting down and actually go through it it was it was a great exercise to do as a team and we've decided that the yearly retreat would be something that we will continue to do. It was our first mm. retreat this year mm. as the team's grown um, and that anyone new that starts with us that we do that same profile so we can kind of work that mm. into our induction process and the learning style piece around how to best support them. So exciting stuff. Good, good. So we've got a few minutes left. In your role, you're just a conduit really between the director um not the only conduit, but you're sitting there um, increasingly understanding the commercial elements of business and also increasingly understanding the clinical elements of business. What what have you really learned about business in this role? Yeah. Yeah. The business acumen piece, that's um, that's been the biggest learning area for me Mm. as a public health, very clinical based OT before coming across to WISE. Um, I think the framework of private practice is, yeah, so it's an operating business. Mm. So I think um, it's not just the hourly rate you see or that as a pri- as a public health clinician, I'd refer out to some private clinicians every now and then and go, oh, my goodness, look at their hourly rates. Like, this is amazing. That's outrageous. This is incredible. But now working in it, it's like, yeah, right. So what are the costs and the, yeah. what are the things that go into running your own business? What are the things that you need to be aware of from a from a um, cost point of view so definitely business in terms of cost I've learned so much I've learned that yes one of the biggest um, expenses is going to be salaries <laughs> absolutely who knew, who knew? Um, and that's massive but also cars getting people safely to and from things mm. IT set up all of those things that you don't think about as the um as the, the OT mm. kind of sitting there. So I've definitely learned about costs of providing such an incredible service and business um, in terms of in terms of private practice. But I think the other stuff in terms of business is again, we're remote as well. So it's mm. not the the overheads of, you know, a building or a space or the rent or the um that that kind of business component, but it's mm. more the 
the culture of the business. Mm. How do you how do you create and sustain a culture when it's remote and everyone's going out to their clients' homes directly from home? You know, that piece of business culture that is so important. Mm. Um, I think the other big part I've learned from a from a business point of view is that there's a lot of risk. Yep. There's yeah. huge risk. And if I was contracting to Liz, for example, very different, mm. you know, send my invoice off, go and do my contracting work, come back, I've got my hourly rate, that's an arrangement, that's done. Um, but when I'm in a team leader role, helping manage a bunch of people that's part of a business, it's not just contracting model, mm. it's a you're on a salary, you've got a package, you're here, we're a team, that culture piece is, is huge. Um, and even with, with contractors, there's the risk, you know. You've got people contracting your brand mm. and your name and they're going out and representing you. So I think definitely the finances, the risks are the two yeah. big things that I've learned. Um, I have my own tiny little, I shouldn't trivialise or minimise it, but a tiny little business um, in, I'm a celebrant, um, a little mm. side hustle that I do. So I have learned a little bit about, you know, invoicing and, and um you know, getting, getting things, paid, getting paid and getting things in writing about cancellations. And what's my policy on that? Oh, I need to think about that. Um, so that kind of came out of feeling a bit burnt out in OT and wanting to do something fun on the side. Mm. And it's turned into a little, a little fun venture. So now I'm, I'm four days clinical and team leader role. And I do, I do a day every now and then on a weekend as a celebrant, which is a, which is a very exciting job to be part of someone's, you know, special wedding day Mm. um but yeah in terms of in terms of business I've learned too much to probably say and I'm I'm not sure where to even start but definitely definitely finances and and definitely culture they're the two biggest things that I didn't have any I knew how important they both were but they're definitely the most prominent things that I've taken away from this experience for sure and still learning every single day Yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely Sounds like you love your role. I do, yeah, and mm. not in a like I'm so passionate, I love it way, just in a genuine, authentic way. I mm. I love occupational therapy and what that does, and I love that I get to do that and lead a team. I get to do both. Like that hybrid role is just exceptional. That yes. I get to I get to live my craft in in OT mm. and case management, but I get to share that with a team and I don't always get it right clinically I learn so much from the team Mm. and sometimes I call them and I'm you know might be doing a report of my own and say what would you do here yep what would you do in this situation (laughs) um help me out yep (laughs) so I definitely have those days that's for sure but I do genuinely love my role and it helps me yeah self-lead in other areas of my life working with such a robust smart yeah passionate team who are Mm. humble who are so Mm. humble and get in every day and I don't think people in healthcare are anything but you know I think yeah I think people who do really well in this industry and make client impact and good client outcomes have to be they have to want to be here for sure such a good conversation thank you so much for just signing your life away and (laughs) Getting in, it's it's great. It's been really good to hear about um, what you think about things. Thank you. And it was um, really exciting. I'm very privileged to have spoken with you. I love your work. 
think you're an absolute gun in what you do. And thanks for shining a light on private practice always and for interviewing someone who's not a private practice owner. I know, um, right? I feel, very, I feel very blessed. Yeah. It's exciting. All righty. Is there anything else you want to add in? You can have the last, the last say. Um, oh, that's a lot of pressure. No, nah. no, I don't think so. Look, as I said, just like anything, everything comes back to values base, you know, mm-hmm. every decision you make, whether that's work, whether that's family, whether that's, you know, anything really, anything in life, we, we goal set based on values. So I think when it comes to workplace and career and life and making good decisions for yourself, it comes back to that that leadership piece I said, you know, I lead my life with with autonomy, wanting to have some freedom and doing things for myself and my family, making sure we all belong and we all feel good and that belonging piece and and that we're competent and we're safe in doing it and mm. that staff don't feel they need to know everything. They can come into a role with any skill base and we're going to get them to a point where they feel clinically competent and confident. And while they're not 100% up to scratch on every single thing, they take the referrals that don't require that level of severe, severe injury yeah. and we, we train them up. So. Yeah, autonomy, belonging, and competence. That's my focus always. Yeah. Love it. Thank you thank so much. You. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. I hope that was okay. Totally okay. More than okay. So much more than okay. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.